You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest, it is set for one fall. Introducing first, from Motown, he weighs 403 pounds, the Rockmaster, P.N. News. The Rockmaster, P.N. News, preparing to rap to Everybody us. Everybody say hi! And burn this house to the ground, lock the beat and hit the sound. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo! Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo! I said, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo! Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo! What's up, Gainesville? Cool, so welcome back to another episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle. And if you thought that a couple of episodes ago when we spoke to the legend that is Cowboy Scott Casey, that the guests couldn't get any bigger, count yourself wrong because I have with me today one of the larger-than-life characters from the early 90s, someone that I grew up watching. I'm so excited for this. So a UK yo baby, yo baby, yo, welcome to Paul New, better known as PN News. Hello, sir. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it, man. That's a pretty nice introduction. Uh, Thank you. I, no, I, I don't feel... Um, yeah, I don't feel larger than life, but okay, I'm I'm big, I'm bad, I'm nationwide, and I'm 400 pounds, but that doesn't make me larger than life. But um, that's cool. There, there you cool. go, there you go. That's kind of what you what you appeared, you know, to to someone my age when I was I don't know I was seven when I got into wrestling uh, back in the early 90s, sort of when you were around. Cool. So you know, to a, to a kid that age, guys like yourself were kind of mesmerizing really for your size and your um, I mean we'll get into your career in a bit anyway and we'll, we'll none, of touch us, none of us are none of us are ever anything without the fans that's for sure there you go thank you that's so good for you to say mate it's so good to have you on I I have got a bunch of things that I I want to cover if I can in the time that we've got you've had such a uh, uh such a, a a varied and great career that I want to try and cover you know span all of it if we can um but really sort I'll try of not to lie too much. <laughs> just just however you want to play it, really. You know, I'm right, I'm open right. to complete honesty. So, you know, just just however cool. you want to do it. But um the easiest thing to do probably is to wind it right back to the beginning because the, the purpose of my why I started this podcast is my love for um a particular era of wrestling, which is the one I grew up with. Um, so where did you discover wrestling? Sort of, you know, before you got in the ring, where was it that it began for you that you discovered it for yourself? 
Well, it was like, uh, it, it came on, I, I grew up in Northeast Nebraska, which, I mean, I don't know, your British fans might not know where it's at, but Nebraska is the center of the United States. Mm -hmm. God's country is what I like to call it. Uh, it's, uh, we're, the, we're the inventors of Arbor Day. So, you know, uh, that's one of our big things. You know, the, the whole Mormon trail ran through oh, yeah. our area. Uh, I wasn't alive back then, <laughs> but to get to the point where you were saying it, I, you know, I used to get like after church on Sundays, I used to get professional wrestling out of Minneapolis, the AWA, uh, Vern Gagne and that stuff. Uh, I used to get that, at, you know, on Sunday morning. And that's how I first had my early introduction to the wrestling industry. And then because I was in a small town, one of the, one, we were one of the first towns to get like cable television. And one of the one of the first you know one of the big channels was TBS, and then they had two hours of wrestling on Saturday afternoons, evening af afternoon evenings, mm -hmm. and then they had two hour one hour or two hours on Sunday. So and it was and so though that so when I started in the AWA, I started with the AWA, but soon in the late 70s, early early 80s, then I started getting interested into then what was called Georgia Championship Wrestling, which was affiliated with the NWA, uh, you know, Harley Race was the champion when I first started watching it. And then, then Tommy Rich got the belt. And then like, it was, it was Flair that ended up with the belt, you know, and that, that was the time. And I was like, uh, I was, you know, getting into my early teens and stuff like that about when that was happening. Awesome. Was there anyone in particular, you mentioned a couple of names there, you know, Harley Race and, and Ric Flair and that. Was there anyone in particular you gravitated towards who, who you would credit with with getting you interested that you wanted to do it? No, not really. Um, the thing was, is the first heel that ever really bothered me, and, and I'm saying a, a heel, a villain, or whatever you want to call it, mm. um, the first person that really uh, got underneath my my skin was uh, the mass Superstar. Okay. And yeah, Bill Eady, right? And he got underneath my skin, and I was really upset about him, right? But nobody really ever did it. I was just watching it because I thought it was pretty cool, right? Yeah. Um, but I never had anybody I really looked up to. But I remember watching Jerry Blackwell. I remember watching all these American talents and stuff like that as the industry was going playing on television. And um, yeah, it was it was just interesting. But I can't credit anybody. It was more about what I can credit is some of my high school buddies when we were like. Uh, when we were we, we had choir and when we were down in choir we usually were practicing backdrops and 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 body slams and doing all sorts of stuff and and it was more and then when i was in track we would practice backdrops in the in the uh in the high high uh the pole vault pit and all, all stuff like stuff like that it's like extracurricular so activity extracurricular activity <laughs> that's kind of what got me interested in wrestling because some people thought, oh, you should be a professional wrestler, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I was, you know, I played a, a year of college football and then I was going to continue my college career at another college. And then I ended up doing a, going on a, uh, taking a sabbatical that summer and going to visit some friends of mine I met on spring break up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I ended up bouncing in a bar up there. And one night I threw out like four guys out of the bar at one time, all on my own. The other doormen were busy on the other door. And um, my, uh, 
what happened was there was the state treasurer, there was a state treasurer's convention there in Madison that, that day. And a bunch of the state treasurers came off the Capitol because we were just off the Capitol building, came off the Capitol and came into the bar at about seven and they stayed longer and were drinking and having a good time. And, and we had like a crowd, our crowd went from, it went from like uh, business people, lawyers, uh, politicians, they'd come in earlier in the evening and then it would filter on and then later with college, college kids would come in, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get some, you get some other people coming in besides college kids and then it would kick off and, you know, college kids and working people, they, they don't get along all the time. And, yeah, yeah. and so there was attitude and I ended up, this guy ended up like, uh, is then the guy taking a cheap shot? I've got him split up and then the guy took a cheap shot over my shoulder and then he tried to, he tried to run out of the bar, right? Like he wasn't going to get caught by me. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up doing a starskin hutch over the trunk of this big Lincoln town car that was out front, right? And I tackled him in the street and I go, I got up and I said, don't you ever come back into my bar while I'm here, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I went back in and you see there's these big windows in front on both sides, the upper half and the lower half. When I came back in the bar, the place erupted like at a wrestling arena. Right? <laughs> awesome. It was just it was just crazy man and um and and then the state treasurer of minnesota he ended up telling me uh he ended up going uh hey um you ever thought about being a professional wrestler and i went no (laughs) and but i called him about five months later and he hooked me up and he sponsored me through through the my training camp at brad rangan's up there in uh, plymouth minnesota and stuff like that and i I actually went through the school after the the school the training camp after um, after Bull Power or you know him as Van Vader and yeah. uh, the Nasty Boys were in the camp before me and wow. I I was in fact I was the only guy in that second the camp that later that year that actually ended up having a career in the industry. So. Wow. So did yeah. did you know of um, um, did you know of, of, of Leon White? Van Bader and the Nasties. Oh at yeah, that well, point, I'm, or I'm, is it later? No, at that point, I met him. I met him the first time when he just come back from Europe, and he was doing some jobs for the. Uh, for, he was doing some jobs again for Vern, right? Okay. So I was I was doing his stuff, and then uh, and that's when I met him the first time. At, but the Nasty Boys kind of helped train us, so I knew who they were, right? And then, as I was as I got into the industry uh with the help of the state treasurer getting me publicity before i even stepped in the ring and all this stuff um before i even uh got in there uh, they were helping out the the the, the uh the rock and roll not the rock and roll express but the the, the rockers uh yeah. michaels and Janetti came in and they were working with us a guy mm-hmm. named drew tossel and of course brad Rangins and stuff so there was a lot of guys that came through in and, and would do stuff with us. So it was a pretty good education for me. Absolutely. And, uh, but I met Leon the first time when he was at one of the shows. And then I met his boss in Germany, Otto Vance. I met him out in Vegas at my first television. I'd only had three wrestling matches before I did my first TV. Wow. For AWA. And then that's where I met Otto Vance, which, later about a year later i ended up coming to germany for auto Vance via um it was actually via um fujinami who fujinami saw me wrestle out in portland oregon and he said oh you next bam bam bigelow japan you know and bigelow was in new york at the time so 
So I didn't want to be the next man in Ziggler. I just wanted to be myself. But, yeah. you know, that was my first trip over to New Japan at that point. So. That's very cool. I mean, it's funny you should bring up Bam Bam Bigger, actually, because I was watching a, a few of your matches online in, you know, in, to prepare for this. And yeah. um, it reminded me, actually, when I, especially when I was growing up, I, um, I loved the, the big guys like yourself that could move. You know, you, you have some big men who were really slow and they didn't really do a lot in the ring. But Bam Bam Bigelow and yourself, I mean, I, I, you reminded me a lot in the ring. Did you? Did he have any kind of influence on you, or is it just kind of? No, not, you... not, no, none whatsoever. We'd always been compared to each other throughout. I don't know. He's dead now, so I, you'd have to. You can't ask him that question. No, no, but people not. would always use us in comparison, you know, in in conversation. Mm. And I did it. I, I finally got. I was like his third last match or thirteenth last match or something like that right, okay. before he died. Uh, I he, I finally got to wrestle him in Hanover. Over Germany for the EWP, uh, cool. we did a title match, and uh, yeah, he put me over for for the belt that day. Oh wow, that's a big moment. Yeah, that's a big moment. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's, let's talk about when you when you first started off. Obviously, you touched on a, a few things, yeah. But your your sort of your personas before you got to be in PN News. Um, what were you? What well, was your what was your early kind of? Um, I, I I was wrestling when I first got into AWA. I was wrestling as Paul the Avalanche New, and then I just became the Avalanche when I went out to Portland, Oregon, working for Don Owens. The Pacific Northwest uh, was an NWA affiliate, and I started working out there as as Avalanche. And then when I went to I was there as the Avalanche, and then I went to Germany for the first time. Mm-hmm. And in Germany, then Otto decided he wanted to call me Paul the Grizzly, right? You know, so so then it went from Paul the Grizzly, and then they saw how quick I was, and I was throwing mm-hmm. these drop kicks, and I was hitting splashes off the top rope. And my explosiveness, they said, uh, Peter Williams came up with the name. He says, uh, we're going to call you Can- Canoon and Kugel Grizzly. I went, what the I'm sorry if this is a PG. No, don't worry, don't worry. No, no, no. But I went. So I said, "What the fuck is What the hell? What is that?" (laughs) And he goes, "It's like a cannonball. It's like a shot. You're like you move like a shot out of a cannon." I said, "Then just call me Cannonball Grizzly because it's way better, right?" And he kept calling me Canoon and Kugel. But every time I get on the microphone, I always call myself Cannonball Grizzly. Finally, Cannonball stuck, and then he started calling me Cannonball Grizzly. And uh, then, but as I was going to Japan, because because Fujinami met me as Avalanche, they were calling me Avalanche right. over in Japan. And that was like, we're talking 87 till like 1990 when I went into the WCW. And when I went in there and got my dark match, I had my gimmick. The idea for the, the whole thing was I knew I wanted the rap and wrestler. The whole gimmick was my idea, right? Okay. But I was wearing I was wearing these Bermuda shorts and and I had like colorful outfit on the, the cool sunglasses and the, the heavy chains yeah. and everything like that. I kind of patterned myself out over the fat out from the fat boys, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I was I came up with a tag gimmick. Me and Buddy Rose tagged up in Portland. It was the whole gimmick was my ideas. I said, why don't we call ourselves the Beach Boys? Because I had bleach blonde hair at the time. And Buddy had his, you know, Dutch yeah. boy finger in the dyke haircut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, Lenny Denton, the grappler, he loved the idea. Buddy wasn't so begeistered about it, but it were, you know, but we ended up working and it went really well. And so I still had the Bermuda shorts and everything like that. And so I was wearing that gimmick, and I I said, 
well, let's call let's call it uh, I, I thought pj cool you know that's just like yeah. a 80s kind of name right yeah is paul james is my middle name so i thought you know paul james and then cool and then dusty came up with the idea to call me pn news because it was cn news was they you know was was yeah. uh ted turner's big thing and we were working for turner basically yeah. and so he said hey baby you know we're gonna call you pnn or pn news just like cnn pn news people are gonna be able to correlate the problem you <laughs> see what i'm saying baby i said sure just pay me dusty you know and and you know and that's kind of how pn news came about but you know it was it was pretty cool i just wish i would have had more help with the raps uh at the beginning because um i didn't have a playback speaker at the ring right. so i had to get used to the fact and it took me about a month to do this i had to get used to the fact so i did like like i did like 20 tvs without being able to be do this right, right. so i admit my rap sucked and uh but the reason why is because the sound you'd be in these big arenas right and so the speakers aren't right next to you they're way mm. up they're way up in the boondocks yeah and it would i'd start my rap and then i'd hear myself like a half a second later and it would just throw me off because i had That's no amazing. playback speaker yeah and if i'd had the playback speaker i wouldn't have had that delay and i'd have been able to continue my rap and it was just it was it was screwed me up until i got used to that i really sucked and by the time by the time I got used to that, they just stopped me from laughing. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, I think at the time, again, speaking just really from a fan, this was when I kind of saw you know, the fact that you would, did you write your raps, by the way, or were they, they written for yeah, you? Yeah, I had, I had help. I had yeah. help from a, uh, a staffer that helped me write some raps and stuff like that. Yeah. A couple I came up with my own, but I, got, I had some help with the raps and stuff like that. So it, it was, it, was, it, was it for me, it, it, made you more noticeable because obviously in the wwf um you had jimmy hart kind of on the megaphone on the way to the ring and everything he made himself known that i couldn't really put my finger on anyone else who was who was vocally doing anything in the ring right before the match yeah. obviously later right. on when you got people like max payne and mamant and rock started with a guitar thing and uh um yeah. men on men on a mission do you believe your gimmick just quickly I yeah no absolutely absolutely because i went uh my daughter was going to be born and she was on the way in the end of 2002 and she was born in september uh 2000 or not 2002 but uh, 93 right mm -hmm. i actually went i went back to the states because i i moved back to europe and i went back to the states and slaughter was in charge of new talent at the time sergeant slaughter he goes where have you been we've been trying to get a hold of you to do this gimmick Right. so they wanted they wanted me to be i don't know if it was they wanted me to do the rap gimmick i had actually the day i signed my contract with wcw there was a message on my phone waiting for me where it was young blood uh jay long young blood he goes vince loves the gimmick he wants you to start immediately call uh Pat patterson monday morning all right i just signed that Sunday, I just signed my contract on uh, on Sunday at the Omni. I shouldn't have took the damn thing with me oh, because man. they gave it to me on Friday. I shouldn't have took it with me. Mm. I should have waited and came back. And then I, uh, yeah, I, I, that you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It's but, brilliant, you know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you looking back it's on? Not, it, what... That's the thing is, it's not. It's, it's never about your talent, dude. Be, it's being about in the right place at the right time yeah. is always 100% the thing. 
you know, when I'll give you an example, when Jimmy Snooker, when his girlfriend died in the, in the, in the, he was going to get that push. He was going to get the Hogan push. Yeah. Right. And ended up, and it ended up going to Hogan because there was too much heat on Jimmy. So, yeah. so I mean, that's what I heard, but telephone, telegraph, tell a wrestler. I don't know how much that is true, but that's kind of what I heard. It, it fits, doesn't it? I mean, I was like, you could yeah, believe yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm a true believer that you got to be in the right place at the right time. And, and, and that's it. You know, uh, Austin went to New York at the right time. Mm. Brock was there at the right time. All these people were there. Everybody is, it's the right time, right place, you know? Yeah. So. What was what year was that? Was that when you first when you signed with WCW back in the beginning of the nineties? That was ninety one, ninety ninety one. So what do you looking back on it? Do you have any sort of theories about what they would have done with you and how your run would have gone there, or is it just you know? I I probably would have got that. I I probably would have got that man on a mission. Yeah. You know, push. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's probably would have happened. You know. Would have happened a few years um, earlier. And, and yeah, yeah, but whether. It's all hindsight. It's all hindsight, and it's all it's you know. Right. It's 2020, and and it didn't happen. So I've got no regrets. Life is what it is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's. Uh, like, Looking at your WCW stint, I mean, you were you weren't working with shabby names in there at all. If you rattle off just a few, you had you had a little thing going with with a guy called Stunning Steve Austin, for example. Yeah. Arn Anderson, yeah, I, I Ron mean, Simmons. I, worked, I mean. Yeah, but I even I work with Ron. I work with I work with Dick Murdoch. I you know I took over. I I did a couple matches uh, where Scotty tore his bicep. I was I was down in and that's how I got over with Dick Murdoch so well. Is I ended up uh, taking Scotty's place when he tore his bicep when we were in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had to step in in that tag match and he was working. I called them the Dirty Dicks. I can't remember what they were called, but it was Dick Slater and Dick Murdoch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I, ha I had a great match and I did the sell and then Rick made the comeback and everybody and, and I, I became really good friends with Dick Murdoch after that and then he booked me down to Puerto Rico and everything like, and, 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 and all sorts of things after that. But he, Dick was a big supporter and a big fan of mine and I was mm. of course a big fan of his, you know. Uh, guys like him, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, in, in Europe, I ended up working, and that's how I got to WCW. I was working with Moondog Rex, Randy Colley. Okay. And he kind of, he got me, and, and it was, Dusty didn't have the book. It was Ole Anderson had the book. And we called him from Germany, and on Randy's word, Ole wanted me to come in and start right away. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and then Ole got fired, and then all the paperwork got, push to the bottom so then i had to go in and then do the do the uh, dark match and for dusty and everything like that and he was in the process of just taking over because he had to finish his new york contract because mm -hmm. he did that uh, his last thing he did was uh rumble royal rumble yeah. right and he had to yeah. finish that and i think that that year was january 17th and i while he was doing that i was uh that Saturday, I had my dark match. He saw the video and says, "All right, sit tight. We're going to use you." You know, and and I I I thought my dark match sucked. You know, <laughs> but but they were they were impressed. Uh -huh. You know, and I yeah. wasn't I was used to working in twenty foot rings, and and back then the NWA had uh, well WCW had you know you know two smaller foot smaller rings, yeah. and and it just threw my timing off. If you know about timing, is everything in the industry, and it just threw my timing off. So I. I yeah. threw the guy. I threw the guy into the ropes. I went to jump up for my drop kick. I was high, but my knees hit him in the chest instead of my feet because 
Yeah, that two feet Freedom. makes a big difference when you're throwing somebody off the ropes. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so there is one match, in, there's a few things I want to talk around your WCW run, obviously, um, but there is one match which I'm sure you get asked about a lot, and you're probably sick to death of Every talking time. about it. I know what you're going to do. Let me, don't let me, wait, wait a minute. The scaffold match. Yeah. Is that what you want to ask? Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I did it. <laughs> asked about it every time. I wonder if the other guys get hassled with this match. I mean, no, it's it is one of my least favorite matches I've ever been involved with, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Well, it was they forgot to order the scaffolding. Right. So the grips and everything like that, they had to do a makeshift scaffolding, and they made it three stories high. Normally, somebody's supposed to drop off of it, and mm. even Bobby when when. When Dusty pulled us all in, he goes, guys, I'm sorry. You know, he, I give him that. He, he, he apologized, right? Mm. But, you know, and he told us what happened. And he said, but here's the deal. Um, you know, what are we going to do? Because, and and Bobby Eaton goes, I'll, I'll, I'll do the drop. And, you know, Bobby's a trooper, right? Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, dude, I'd, have, I'd have probably broke the ring, broke my legs, broke my hips, you know, broke everything, you know, went yeah. straight through the concrete. And, um and Bobby, but Bobby said, he says, no, no, we're not going to have to do that. And that's where the flags came up on each corner and stuff like that. Got and you. I mean, talk about, talk about talent. I mean, it's not like there wasn't any talent there. It was no. just, it was a difficult situation. It looked, a difficult. I, I watched a bit of it again last night and it just looks awkward. I think it is awkward. You it know, is, it's, it's an interesting concept, one that you can kind of, you know, knit into a into a, a if, professional. If you're doing if you're doing it properly, if you're right. doing it the proper one, where mm. it's only a story above the ring. Yeah. In fact, I used to I used to do coal miners glove matches and stuff like that, where I take the bump off the top of the ring, mm. uh, and I, I did the santon. I said I I'd have no problem doing that if I was hanging from the thing and doing the fall. That yeah. would have I'd have done that without a problem. But it was literally two three stories above the ring. Yeah. You it's, know, it's an interesting because they couldn't move it they couldn't mm. move it they had to make it extra high you know so it didn't affect the rest of the show we were like the first match on the card yeah. you know first televised match on the card and i don't you know and i'm not a fan of putting a match on just to put a match on mm. i you know there was no story behind it it was just putting three middle card guys on in there all together and making and trying to make it work it's it's there was i'm you ask any of the people I've ever taught in this business that uh, I'm a I'm a fan of story of, of telling a story and there yeah. was no story behind that. How do you do that? It's like just putting a three way dance on without a belt or anything like that. Yeah, there's no story to it. If there's no if there's no heat, you know how do you how do you do something like that? If that was that was going to be my next that. question. Actually, was it's, it's it's an interesting concept on its own, but. You know, again, not up. You pretty much answered actually that there wasn't a story knitting it together. It kind you're of. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so thanks for that. But it's yeah. it's yeah, it's not being funny. But somebody your size as well. I know you were agile in the ring and you did stuff off the top and everything. But you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm probably the I'm probably the heaviest guy that's ever done a yeah a uh, scaffold match. It was well, you know, I mean, I, I you know, in one way, you got to look at it as a compliment because they put me in a match where. They thought I could handle it. You know what I mean? Mm. In one way, I just, it was just a, uh, it, was, it, was a it was a tough situation because mm. with it, it could have been so much better, you know, I suppose. Yeah. But the fact that, the fact that I have to be remembered for a scaffold match, I, I've, I've done so many more things that, that uh, 
outside of the WCW that yeah. were so much more interesting and so much more fun and where we actually drew money, you know, the old fashioned way by putting asses in seats, you know, mm. not, not using television. So. The interesting thing as well, you say, obviously you're on the opening match and that's the one that you remembered for is, is over here. When I got the, the VHS in the UK of great American bash, that match isn't on it. Great. Um, well, yeah, I suppose so. But it's like I, I'd heard about this match, but I could never watch it. It was later years that I finally you know, was able to track right, it down. It's got right. a bit of a cult following, I suppose. Damn, damn, damn the internet. <laughs> you can't get away from any bad match. I, you can't, man. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> but I, I need to ask as well, what was it what was it like working with Steve Austin, knowing what he's become? I mean, obviously this was at the Everybody knew he was going to be a big star. Everybody knew he had he had talent. I think at the time he was two or three years in the business, and everybody mm. knew he was going to be big. I mean, I mean, I maybe had one more. I probably had one or two more years, and I had a hell of a lot more experience because I was wrestling in Europe. And I mean, when I was out in Portland, I was wrestling seven days a week. When I got to Europe, I was wrestling seven days a week. You know, mm. um, at that time, I you know England. You know, you do the summer run in England. And you're doing 14 to 17 shows in a week, you know. I had a lot more experience, but mm. everybody knew the talent that he had going on. There's no question about it. We all knew he was going to be a, a a big a big thing, you know. Yeah. There was, we, we were all confident. Yeah, you could you could argue. I think in his run through WCW, he just got stronger and stronger and stronger, and then it got to a point they didn't really seem to know what to do with him. Well. Well, the thing is, is once he got to be, you know, he was doing the other gimmick beforehand, but once he got to be the character he wanted to be, mm. then it was fantastic. It's like me when I'm in Europe, I'm doing Cannonball Grizzly, right? Yeah. My Cannonball Grizzly stuff is way stronger than my PNU stuff because mm. that was me. That was my character okay. I was most comfortable in. And that was, yeah, I mean, if you ever watch any of my Cannonball Grizzly stuff, you'll see that it's just a much more positive, not positive, negative, you know, I was villain, yeah. I was baby, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the character was just better because I was comfortable in my own skin more so yeah. than I was. I wanted that TN News gimmick to be, to be a hill gimmick and they wanted it to be baby. Okay. And I would, yeah. And, and I would have been a hell of a lot more comfortable as a heel um i it's it's harder to be a baby face and it was later in my and in, in funny earlier in my days i had to work as a baby face mm. i um i would have preferred i getting a run as a, a heel and then turning baby face i started learning how to work baby face later on in my career i really felt comfortable with it as my as my pn news character or not as my okay. pn news character but as my cannonball grizzly character right and that's when i really felt because it, it it was just that's who I was. I was yeah. cannibal grizzly, you know. That I I identify. Some people identify as cats. Some people identify as girls when they're boys and boys when they're girls. I identify as cannibal grizzly more than I that's do cool. see enemies. That's cool. I mean, that fully explains then. You know, the difference in it, it, like you say if it's a more effective persona, really because yeah. you've got your you're, you're fully invested in it rather than trying to force it. I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one interesting story I came across when I was, I was sort of looking around again, the internet, um, surrounds the one man gang in WCW. I don't know if you can shed any light on this. Apparently he, he was fired in 91 for not wanting to put you over. 
Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. And he said it was one of his regrets. And I didn't, I didn't hold any, I hold nothing against him for that. I mean, people, people do that for all time. He didn't know me. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I think uh, a lot of people don't know that shit happens backstage and I'm, I'm 100% confident. And I'll tell you another story. So, um, but to, to the point is he got wound up backstage by some guys. And then he said, oh, okay, when the, when the boss came in and asked him to do the job, then he didn't want to do the job mm. because he got wound up. He got, he got himself let wound up by some of the boys. Right. Yeah. And then later on in his life, he met some of my buddies who say, hey, news is pretty cool, man. You know, he's not what you think he was. Mm. And then he, you know, he, and I heard he said that that was one of his regrets. Well, you know, I, I never held it against him in the first place. No. And the story I wanted to tell you, I'll give you an example. First time I worked Stan Hansen was in St. Louis. It was in a tag match, right? Mm-hmm. And it was Owen Hart. Owen Hart was, you know, had a court, short, court, short, short run there in WCW at the time. Yeah. And Owen was waiting when Stan came late. He came from the airport. He just flew in from Japan. And he goes, hey, man, it's a shame about that news. What, what, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, fuck. The kid said, I got to work with that old man. <laughs> So, and I would never say that about Stan Hansen. I got nothing but respect for the guy. He was great. He never hurt me, but boy, he's got a motor and he just came in from Japan. And I'll tell you what, he schooled me on how to have a motor. I'll tell you that, man. I was huffing and puffing after just a couple minutes, you know, oh, and, no. but, you know, and, 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 and uh, yeah, I found out later, you know, who the culprit was and, and I don't, yeah, I've got no hard feelings to either one. Right. Nice. You know, uh, Stan, Stan didn't, didn't uh stiff me or anything like that he just showed me i'll show you who's an old man you know what i mean and that was good for him good on him i've done that i i did that you know later on in my career with a guy in in austria a guy named uh victor kruger i ate his lunch i was we were doing we were doing that we're on 15 minutes and i'm doing jumping jacks while he's down there blowing out his ass (laughs) (laughs) no no but yeah, it's great. Kinda, you, you command that respect later on in your career. You know, you can still yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 that that's the kind of thing. You know, those kind of things happen, and it's it is what it is. And uh, and the boys, the boys, you know, nobody. There's there's an old thing when 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 you you know when you were doing those old TVs and there was like 24 matches in a day. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys would be in the back sending the. Um, watching the monitor right if you mm. went out there and, and everybody was watching the monitor and when you came back nobody was watching the monitor is because you had a, you did something that was really good and nobody wanted to have to congratulate you and tell you hey good job right, right. See. They, they, and that's that's the ego of the business you yeah. know that's everybody there's you know you got a dressing room full of egos and nobody ever wants to tell anybody that they did a great job right yeah. nobody wants to do that right so why not? Why not? I don't understand it, but there we because, go. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. see, you know, I, I'll say, "Hey, Chris, great job." Mm. I'm lying to you right now. No, <laughs> thanks. So, but, but the thing is, is, a lot of a lot of egos. If you if you want to be the best, yeah. A lot of the time, it's hard for you to admit somebody just stole the show. Quite. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is the worst thing. It's the worst thing you can do is have to admit you, you know you, you stole the show. But I never ever, I never feared that kind of thing. For me, yeah. it was not. I don't know. I, I've got an ego. Don't get me wrong. I got a tremendous ego, but I enjoy, uh, 
I enjoyed, I enjoyed being entertained, man. And I didn't, mm. it didn't bother me. I'd, I'd tell people, I'd tell people when, when I thought they had a great match, you know, yeah. I'd tell them when they had a crappy match too. But, you know. you, yeah. You, you think you can be honest about this, especially when you're having to work well, you, and put your trust in these people, you know? Well, yeah. And, and, and you know what, I'm sure I rubbed a got a lot of guys the wrong way, but I wasn't trying to be mean. I was actually, I wanted them <laughs> to learn from their own mistakes. Cause if yeah. they come out thinking, well, that was great. And it was actually crap. Mm. then i'm not do i'm doing this them a disservice because they're not going to learn from anything yeah. themselves exactly right? that, that, yeah. and, and i'm doing the business a disservice so if, if i'm telling a guy he's great and he's crap then i the business is paying paying my wages i'm mm. doing the whole thing a disservice so i'm not helping myself out right exactly exactly final little wcw thing and then we'll move on um this is more of a personal thing to be fair so i i remember I had um, there was a book that I, I I was bought when I was when I was a kid. It was a WCW fact file. It was almost like just like a, a book of profiles for all the superstars, and you were in there. And that was really where I first saw you because, again, for some reason, some of your matches on the pay per views when we got them over here, they weren't on there. So I didn't right. get to see you except when Worldwide I think came onto UK TV. I, I, I or whatever it was back then. I, I saw some of the syndicated shows. I got to see you on there. The yeah. the look of your attire, your whole gimmick was what really drew me in because it was that age of the real kind of in your face, really colourful characters. Like I said at the beginning, right. you're right. a big guy, so you're very sort of command a lot of attention. I wanted one of my one of the things I always wanted them to bring out was a WCW Galoob figure of you. It was because I had like Elegante and we had Dustin Rhodes and things, all you know, that kind of, those kind of mid-card guys that you were working with. And I, I recently re, um, found out that they did actually have a prototype to do one. Yeah, yeah they, did, they did have a prototype. It had like three, it had three different poses and it mm. was for release actually only in the UK because I, I guess the character was really huge and it was going to be like in a... Uh, box set of figures right mm, yeah and um it was for release in the uk there are five prototypes out there and it's actually one of those prototypes was sold as the most expensive wrestling figure of all time wow yeah they go for i know i know somebody tried to sell me one of them for 500 quid a while back right, right? and that was six or seven years ago so i'm and he had two of them Wow. So, and, and I think the one went for, I think the one went on eBay for 1700 over $1,700. So at the time, I don't know, there could be one more that's more expensive, but at the time it was the most expensive wrestling figure of all time. So it'll probably be that way because I mean, people were making uh, 3d copies, but it's not the same as, oh, as yeah. the original glue figures. So, and there's only five of those. Out. So, so there always will only be five of those glue figures and maybe, you know, maybe one of them has been destroyed by now, maybe. which makes the price of the other, other ones go up. So that's going to yeah, be pretty cool knowing that you, I, you... I, 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 that's, that's my, that's, that's my bigger claim to fame than the scaffolding match. <laughs> and I, I would, yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to lay my hands on one of those. Cause you hear about, I think going over to the WWF, the Hasbro ones, you've got the really rare ones like yeah. Adam bomb and the one, two, three yeah, kid yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But, I don't know. I, I absolutely love the Galoob figures because they seem yeah, to be no, indestructible. And uh... yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, but like I said, yeah, I, I knew a guy that had wow. two of them, and I said, you know what? I'm just not gonna. Nah, I'm not gonna pay for it. You know, that's insane. So, 
I don't think my wife would ever be happy with me paying that amount of if money. You, anyway. If you put that kind of money out, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I'd Why be wouldn't she? There's value in it because eventually I'm going to die. You're obviously younger than me. Yeah. And then your investment would have been worth it. It would be, like <laughs> be like a bar of gold at that point. Maybe. Right? Maybe. Trying to convince right? other people of that at the minute, that is probably not, it doesn't really work. Yeah, well, so. I suppose during, during these tough times, it might be a different story. Maybe. Right? We'll see out the other side. I might get like Yeah, but like I said, only five of them out there. So That's awesome. That's, that's a cool thing. Man. That's brilliant. So on from WCW, I know then another thing that I, I found interesting when um, we first messaged each other, um, I know that you did a lot of work in Europe and over here in the UK. You actually mentioned that you you wrestled in Basingstoke, which is my hometown. Absolutely. There's a, isn't Basingstoke where the smallest bar in the world is, the smallest pub in the world is? I don't know if Over it is. I need corn to palace. It's across from the Corn Palace. I was, drink, I was drinking in the place. Okay. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Basingstoke because it's Corn, it's corn Hall or corn, corn Hall, right? Isn't it called the Corn Hall? I have not. To be fair, I didn't know. I grew up there. I didn't know a lot about. I'm pretty sure it's called the Corn Hall. And okay. We were wrestling there, and right across the street is you got to. I got had to turn sideways. The doors weren't full. It was It was like two really tiny doors that you had. To, I had to open up both doors to get in there. Right. <laughs> right. And there's there's enough room to kind of. I had to turn and to turn around. I had to go go back out and then come back in, so yeah. I could get a seat practically. But it was it was the smallest death. I loved it. I I enjoyed it. I got over real good in that little bar, man. I can't I'm gonna, imagine they made a lot of money. I'm gonna have a look at that. But do do you remember any 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 particular memories that have sat with you about your your time wrestling over here in the UK? Oh, loads of them, loads of them. I you know I work for All Star Promotion. You know Brian Dixon. So mm-hmm. you know for yeah, I had a twenty year relationship with All Star. You know so. Okay um longer you know and and it was good some of it good some of it bad but i remember going up and down the road doing butlands uh you know uh my i mean some of the most impressive thing one of the most impressive things is it was back in uh was back in the 90s and it was after the stadium was torn down in liverpool because there used to be a boxing stadium where they did the wrestling matches and they hadn't had wrestling in ages so they went into St. George's Hall and my match on the, my match, I had to rest the giant haystacks on that bill. Wow. Okay. And I'll tell you what, they turned, they, they turned a crowd of 500 people away outside. Wow. Right. The place was packed out. Brian, Brian Dixon was sending his daughter home a couple different carloads full of merchandise. He was selling so much merch that night. Right. Maybe I shouldn't say that loud. Tax tax guys might be after it. Oops. Right. No, Don't but anyway, the thing is, yeah. But the thing is, is um, yeah, it, it was just that was pretty impressive. I uh, I loved wrestling in England. The fans were so appreciative back in the nineties. The mm. early two thousands were were just really really outstanding. Um, yeah, it was good. It's and cool. then I went up and down doing all these holiday camps like uh butlands and, yeah. Taunton and all those things they were uh that was that became a mainstay for a long time i really uh yeah it was, england it was was, cool. was a lot of fun and a lot of the guys know me as a big cider drinker because i hated uh-huh. beer and beer and bitter is just horrible so <laughs> like if i was drinking it was usually strongbow or something like that so uh Okay, yeah. you you next time you're over here, you, did you ever come down as far as sort of the southwest down Devon and Cornwall at all? 
Of course I did. Yeah. yeah. I so I, 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 I live in Devon. So I was going to say, you oh, know, you're down there now. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. It's definitely well, cider country I mean, down there. Well, corn, Cornwall, and you know, we got posties there, right? So we got yeah. Cornwall. You know, and, and then uh, isn't isn't Minehead part of Cornwall? Minehead, Somerset. So it's it's the next Somerset, one up from Devon, but yeah, right. still southwest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, down there. No, uh, what's Torquay? Torquay, Torquay yeah, Torquay is like seven yeah. miles away from where I live. I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean Newton, loads, loads of times in Torquay. Oh, ah, okay. That's insane. Yeah, I got down there. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, I loved it. I loved it down there. It, it, it's it's probably. Uh, it's, it's some of the most beautiful country in, in all of England, you know, yeah. and, and, and I, and I mean, people can say what they want about England, but it is a beautiful country. It's, there's a lot of green or, you know, and, and Great Britain in general, man. I love going to Scotland, love going to Wales. You know, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I had a, yeah, a lot of good, I had a, got a lot of good memories there, met a lot of good people, uh, got to wrestle a lot of good talent and, you know, that's great yeah. there's there's one guy i've had on my show before which i will just quickly ask because he did mention you in in our oh. interview um because uh, we were talking about um it's um jeff bearden who i know what yeah 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 because yeah. he he mentioned because yeah. he he was he was working for ricky knight up in waw and I, I think was it you two um he, he was our first world champion and he beat you yeah he was and then i yeah he put me over for for the the title after him i was their second and stuff like that yeah. i did some matches with him on the isle of man and uh yeah we yeah. yeah we worked all over the country for brian and stuff we we lived together for a while and uh yeah okay. jeff is uh yeah he's a big big guy man yeah he's, you know he, a, a genuine seven footer you know? he is he is yeah he was, he was he was such a delight to talk to he had so so many stories yeah, and really 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 nice guy he was um he gave one story he divulged that he was sadly one of the ones who, who found yokozuna after when he passed over here that's right and, and that's that's the thing and i had uh i had actually been back in the states and i uh, was working for ecw at the time and then i didn't even know about yokozuna but i just got back in touch with brian because i'd worked for him in the 90s and he said, listen, I need a big man. We just lost both his Yokozuna there in the moat. And, mm. and uh, so, and then I was seeing a girl at the moat for a little while. And she ended up giving me tickets to a Liverpool match. And I sat in the cop end and I, that, that's how I became a Liverpool fan. And I've supported him ever since. Oh, okay. That's interesting as well. Yeah, up the reds. <laughs> the they, find, they finally got there was it last year i think I've, yeah, I've, yeah last year they were they were pushing on the door for a couple of years and yeah it's been good they won the champions league again and, that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Co- covid got in the way of their it delayed their title win anfield is not the same without you know without the 11th man which is the crowd yeah. i mean when when you go into that stadium and everybody and you've got everybody uh when you, at the time, there's like 48,000 people went in there and like 40,000 of them are all singing, mm. uh, You'll Never Walk Alone. It, it just gives you goose pimples. I got them right now just thinking about wow. it. It's the atmosphere. And, you know, I like, you know, I always I played, Amer- I played American football over here, college football. University of Nebraska was, was is like a huge college team. And, and that is one of the greatest uh, – the greatest feelings that you're ever going to have when you go to that stadium, you know, 80,000 people all wearing red and white screen for the Huskers. Yeah. And, um, 
European European football is just completely different. I ended up, I you know, I went to a lot of Bundesliga games when I was in Germany, okay. Bundesliga in Austria and stuff like that, and I could never get into it. And then once I went to, when I got those tickets to the Liverpool game, I went with the Liverpool supporter, Frankie Sloan. I, I'm sure you've heard of him. Frankie had, Sloan, yeah. I took him to the game with me, and and I've never looked back. And now I, I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching. I'll say it for the American Dockers soccer. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, but football is, as the English would say. I, I haven't been a football fan probably since my kids came along because I just wasn't able to keep up with it. But I was a Tottenham Hotspur fan back in the day. So. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry. A, that's all right. No, no, no. For my sins. <laughs> my, my, my sister was a big Liverpool fan when I was at home, though, because, okay. yeah, Michael Owen uh, was her, like, hero. So back in the I day. liked that, that. I mean, he was playing. He was he was on top right there when, when I first saw that first game. And the funny thing about it is that first game, Julio was on charge. Mm. And... Um, it, I my game the game I went to was a nil nil draw against Middlesbrough, God. and it was just boring. But you know Fowler got on the pitch and Gerard was a young lad and it's like yeah. two thousand one, right? So yeah, it was, yeah. So I've been a a, I've been a supporter for twenty years now. Yeah, good stuff. Man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, one final digging into your past. One final time before finding out what you're up to these days. Um, I've got to ask. You were at ECW for. Yeah, a, a little while, you know, a short stint. Any memories there? Yeah. What was it like? Um, chaotic. It was chaotic. There was a lot of good talent there. It was chaotic. It was hard getting paid. Uh, Paulie, a genius, you know, he's a genius about the business. My only thing, the it was all, it was all hardcore, so it was just overkill. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You can't you know from top to bottom it was just and, and then he tried to make the show like one continuous match you know yeah which is which is cool i i like the concept was good but when you you know it's, it's like going to a lot of action movies nowadays it's it's just non-start stop to finish it's all action but there's no mm. content there's no really good story no. but I got to work with Van Damme, Sabu, Austin, or uh, Awesome, Mike Awesome, good mm -hmm. talent. I got to work Rhino. Uh, I was part of the Baldies, you know, good friend of mine, uh, Vito Legasso. Yeah. He, you know, he was one of my tag team partners. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got I got to work a lot of a lot of good talent there. So there was there's no question it was good, but I. Uh, I've got to really, I got, I got to get my hips replaced. And my, right. that was the first time where I started having problems with my hips. So, I mean, I would actually, I would literally go into a closed toilet and tie my boots because I was in so much pain oh, wow. putting my boots on. I wouldn't let anybody see me tie my boots because of, of the pain I was in. So, did, um, did they get you to do much of the, like the really crazy stuff there? Obviously, you know, going through I tables would, yeah, and that I is fair. Well, I was going through tables. I was doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, I was taking power bombs through tables off the top wow. rope. Uh, I was, um, I, you know, I had, uh, I have a scar on the back of my head where, uh, where uh, New Jack came off second story balcony in Marietta, Georgia at a, um, at a theater there. And the table leg came up through the, through the press board. And it ripped a hole in the back of my head. I still got the lump back there in the back of my head. I was oh, gonna wow. watch it when I'm shaving and stuff. So, but I mean, no complaints. I mean, it, it, wrestling isn't ballet, and it's you know, there's a lot of uh, 
yeah. you know, risks involved. You know, any everybody that's in the business can't really complain because there's gonna you're gonna get injuries, and I carried a lot of them. Sometimes I people knew about it. Sometimes I just kept my mouth shut and just kept working because yeah. um, shit happens. Yeah, no, definitely. At least you live to tell the tale, I suppose. It's the main I'm still thing. around. And if it was, I can say more than that. I didn't get any, I didn't get really involved with all the the pharmaceuticals or anything like no. that. So uh, you know, I you know, knock on knock on wood. I mean, my you know, I'm I'm okay for big man. I'm I'm I don't have diabetes. I don't have anything serious, and I still enjoy a bottle of wine. You know, cool. and, uh, you know every other day or so. So yeah, um, yeah. Kind of need it at the minute. Yeah, right now, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's the one thing I, that's the one thing I got, I still deal with a lot of pain, but I do need to get, I got, I can get some surgeries done and, yeah. and it's, it's just a matter of time before I do that. It's just that I've always been so busy. Once I got out of the business, I was doing something else and, mm. and, uh, you know, to feed the family or to just stay alive, you got to keep working, right? Exactly. So sometimes you can't take the time off and, and get the operations that are needed, but soon this year, this year. Cool. And brings me quite nicely, actually, onto onto the final sort of part of the interview. Then, um, what you're up to at the minute, because I, I believe you're you're not exactly, uh, even though you're you're pretty much locked down over there in Germany, you're you're still got things on the go. So yeah, yeah. I uh, right now what we've done, uh, we're we're in the process. Uh, we've got a performance center down in Dubai. Uh, it's uh, United Wrestling Nations or Ultimate Wrestling Nations is what it's called. And you can find us at ultimatewrestlingnationsdubai.com. And uh, the Performance Center is up and rounding. We got Frank Chick Cullen down there uh, as one of the students, we are the, one of the trainers, uh, Beast from the East. He's a Lebanese, uh, Beast from the Middle East. He's a Lebanese Canadian who's down there um, uh, training students. Uh, we've got a few people involved. We got uh, some names that are gonna be coming along uh, it's when the TV production starts. And we're going to be starting production. It's going to be a Middle East-based program, but we're going to have stars coming from all over the world. Um, and they, uh, you know, the, the prices are relatively good, and you can go down there and you can get trained. They'll put you up. Uh, you get you can get trained, and then you can do it in the sun and fun. It's better than doing it up in Michigan, I'm sure, because you don't have to deal with cold. Just saying, or doing it up in Canada or something like that. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just a, it's a it's going to be a really good atmosphere. We plan on going into 15 of the Gulf uh, Gulf Coast uh, Gulf uh, states and stuff like that. Yeah. It's going to be based on nations. It's all in the name, so you can either enjoy your favorite wrestler or you can you know you can support your favorite nation. Sure. And uh, yeah, we and we plan on growth from there. And I'm going to be involved with production. And I'm also, this is, you know, guys, if there's any wrestlers that know me, they should go ahead and try and contact me. Um, they, or they can go ahead and contact the website uh, if they're interested in, in a career with the uh, UWN of uh, Dubai, because it's going to, we're going to grow. It's going to be huge. Uh, I feel really confident about it. I'm 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 scouting Europe at the moment, uh, yep. trying to find all the best talent here. We've got scouts uh, in uh, in England. We got we got Ted DiBiase is going to be involved. Mark wow. Henry is going to be involved. Vito Lagrasso is going to be involved. Uh, Dave Taylor, um, like I said, I mentioned Frank Chick Cullen. He's mm -hmm. he's involved. Scottish lad. 
and uh, a few a few other names, and we'll be able to mention a few names. But we should have uh, we should have a date set for our TV within the next couple months. So our TV will awesome. start, and then we're going to run uh, we're going to run a uh, TV program down there. There'll be a live show every month, and then there'll be some tape shows. And then every three months we'll go in there and we'll we'll go out out of Dubai. We'll work a uh, a tour and, and there'll be a total of at least 60, 60 shows a year that are going to wow. be in the Middle East. And then we're going to grow from there. So that's amazing. Oh wow! Is it is that going to be available sort of on TV we, around the we world? Plan, or is it we're going to yeah we're going to plan on we're going to plan on growth and everything like that. But we're going to we're going to start there and. Uh, we're gonna start there, and then we're gonna grow. We're gonna grow exponentially. I have a feeling it's gonna be good. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's 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 a market. It's a niche. It's a market in 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 Dubai and in the Middle East. The number one sport uh, of interest is is football, and mm. then right after that is is professional wrestling. So there's a sure. huge niche for it there. Mm. And with it starting out as a local product, but you're gonna have uh, international world talent. Uh, some of those guys out of Japan, Mexico, Canada, U.S ex WWE guys, uh, uh, other talent out of Europe that we're going to find. And I, I know that we're going to use a lot of talent out of Europe because the, you know, there's a lot of talent in Europe that doesn't get the opportunity to, to do the job in America because they, you know, it, it, it is, it's a lot easier being an American to get a run in the WWE than it is for a European, but yeah. this is an opportunity for Europeans and, and, kids out of the middle east and you know kids from different areas who get their foot in the door and, and become international superstars and we're going to push it hard fantastic i was this something that you you were involved in starting up or something you were approached about i'm one i'm one of the original i'm one of the earlier guys that was called into into the fold and i'm just i'm proud to be a part of it and i'm glad that somebody believed in me uh, it was Frank Chick Cohen that got a hold mm -hmm. of me, and I'm glad that he believed in me enough to to say, "Hey, uh, you got way too much knowledge to waste, and uh, we want you to be a part of this." And for me, it was huge. You know, yeah, it, it's huge. I mean, I've always this is a this is a dream job. You know, I've I've run a few of my own shows in the past in Europe, uh, Austria, Germany, Denmark, and stuff like that and um this is just and, and in the united states and this is just a great opportunity to to pass on my knowledge and try to help uh new young talent uh, be the best that they can be awesome no i cannot wait to see what happens with that so you've you've already um you've already let people know where they can where they can find it just one more time um yeah it's uh you it's uh uw and dubai.com if they go on there they can learn a little bit out a little bit about the training uh, facility and everything down there we got thirty-two thousand square feet two swimming pools two 20-foot rings we got weights we got uh we got a sauna down there we're in the fitness for life building down there and i mean i'm telling you it's, it's it, and we've got personal trainers we've you know we've got nutrition people this is not this is a performance center it's not yeah. just a wrestling school it is a true performance center and they can learn from some of the greatest talents of, of that you know we, that some of them will be will be known to them and others mm. won't but they're going to teach them the best uh, the best way and best form of wrestling and i love i love the european style i've always been a fan of british wrestling and everything i like the european style and, and um 
they're going to learn a really, you know, good groundwork and everything like that. They're not just going to learn how to fly off the top rope. They're going to be, when they get older, like, like as every wrestler does, and they're going to have to stay, keep their feet on the ground a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They're going to have the background to continue their career and continue making money as long as they can. Awesome. Where can people find you just quickly? If they want to, they can call, they can find me on Facebook uh, at Paul new um, NEU. And they can also find me um, on Twitter. I'm at the real PM news on Twitter. And I think I'm Paul new on, on Twitter as well. So I don't use Twitter as much. Eventually I'll start using it a little bit more as the company grows. But if somebody needs to get in touch with me, they can get me on messenger, Facebook, Paul new. Um, that, that'd be the easiest way to get in touch with me directly. I'll put those details on the notes as well for this episode. So, uh, one final question. I cannot let you go without, uh, without asking you this, because I ask this of all the guests, especially those who have been in the ring. Um, mm -hmm. if you could have been at a WrestleMania, I know you, you weren't in the WWF, but had other things happened and you could have been, you could have placed yourself at WrestleMania in one match. Who would it have been against? Oh, that's, that's a weird, I, I, Andre the Giant. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, why well, wouldn't it have been? Andre the Giant would have been great. Just, I mean, that guy was, I mean, he's the most awesome wrestler of all time, you'd have to say. I mean, either him or, or Fit Finley, and you know what I mean? Fit Finley yeah. is probably one of the guys that uh, once I got into wrestling, I was influenced a lot by Fit. I thought he was just, he is uh, one of the most talented guys that I've ever seen in the business. He's forgotten more than I'll ever, than I've even learned. And um, other than that, I mean, Andre the Giant, God, who wouldn't want to be in WrestleMania against Andre the Giant? You yeah. know, the payday is going to be a hell of a payday, right? Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just going up against that guy. God, that would have been one for the ages. I would have, yeah, I would love to see it. Would have, it definitely would have been one for my ages. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. awesome yeah, listen of anybody else. this has been an absolute blast i know you're a very busy man so i am going to let you go in a second but i just yeah, want to I say podcast i got another one coming up here thank you minutes. thank you for sparing your time i've i've this has been a fantastic walk down memory lane um Chris, but, i appreciate you having me on maybe we can do another one once uh, once we're up and running and stuff like that let's talk, let's come back touch base again uh, Absolutely. You got, you got my contact. Also, if anybody wants to send me any uh, any uh, propaganda, like their their info and a CV or something like that, they can send it to cballgrizz at gmail.com. Awesome. Okay. Can I get a yo baby, yo baby, yo? Because I butchered yours at Chris, the beginning. just for you. <laughs> yo baby, yo baby, yo. There we go. Thank Paul New, everyone. Thank you so, so much. And you, bud. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.